This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Welcome to another episode of The Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. And all right, I'm just going to say it straight away. I'm I'm not even sure what to say to y'all anymore. Uh, Not even sure how to approach this, how to address it, because it it feels like the same thing every week. Very, very briefly on my drive home, considered even just throwing back up the podcast after the loss of the Packers and seeing how many people noticed the difference because yes, the losses were different. Yes, they lost to different teams, but it is so often the same thing over and over again, generally when it comes to the Lions. Take a lead, have a lead, show something that can get your fan base to believe that can show the promise of what could potentially be only to lose again and to do it in different fashions that are just so similar and yet so different at the same time. And I know that might sound weird, but the Lions lost 35-29 to New Orleans on Sunday, dropping them to 1-3 going into the bye. Once again, putting Matt Patricia very squarely in the hot seat with questions about his job security that I asked and other reporters asked after the game. And it's, it's a lot, uh, that's, that's there. There's a lot to unpack, but more than anything else, and maybe it's because yesterday I was sitting at home watching Ted Lasso. If you haven't watched this on Apple TV, I highly recommend doing it. Maybe you remember the old Jason Sudeikis commercials that were on, I believe, NBC that were promoting the premiership when they got the premiership, but they had created a character called Ted Lasso, who was basically an American football coach who ended up taking over a team in the premiership. Well, they created an entire series out of it, and I had heard good things, so I started watching it, and I promised there was a point to this. So I'm watching it and watching it, and the team he takes over is one that is very mediocre and the I'm not going to give away the entire story but basically the the whole point is very similar to the plot of Major League in some ways uh not entirely but there are some similarities to it Major League's one of my favorite all-time sports movies but I was watching it and I'm watching Ted Lasso coach and I'm sitting there and yes it's fictional it's all fictional and I get that but 
I'm like, that is the type of coach that I feel like guys would play for. A guy who's consistently trying to motivate, consistently trying to find that way to motivate and be so positive, overly positive. And listen, that doesn't always work. We know that. But, you know, it reminded me a little bit of like what I think like Pete Carroll would be if he was like only optimistic ever. But here's why it made me think of the Lions and why it made me think of today. And it's without ruining the season for you, it was renewed for a second season again. I highly recommend you go and watch it because I think it is worth your time, especially as we get into winter here. But the last episode, the season finale, is titled this, The Hope That Kills You. And I just kept thinking about that watching the Lions today. And again, it might be recency bias. It might be the fact that I watched that about 15 hours before sitting in Ford Field. But I I imagine that that's what it's like as a Lions fan. And I've always kind of searched for that in the eight years I've covered this team in why, in the why. I've asked fans this that are friends of mine. I've asked fans this on Twitter. I've asked people that I just run into that talk to me about the Lions. I ask why. Why do you keep coming back every year? And after watching this season of this show, it kind of clicked for me and it explained it to me. And it it came down to this phrase that that kept sitting with me and, and it plays a big part in the last episode, the hope that kills you. And watching the Lions today and seeing them get up to a 14 nothing lead, seeing people on Twitter believe a little bit and, and wanting to believe, especially after last week when the Lions came from behind and looked like they maybe exercised some of their Arizona demons of late, at least. It felt like maybe there was hope for one of the few times, probably, probably the first time in about a year, watching the Lions, that like there was maybe a hope that this team would have found something, that maybe they could build on what they had in week three, that maybe they did have something different. But it's the hope that kills you. And I think that when I watched them today, when I watched the Saints rattle off 35 straight points, when I watched the same issues over and over and over again, a defense that can't stop the run, a defense that covers that struggles to cover the pass, a defense that saw crossers in man and man and just got beat in it, Desmond, watching Desmond Trufant run across the field on, a, on one of the touchdown passes from Drew Brees struck me so much of what I watched Darius Slay go through week after week last year playing men without much of a pass rush, not seeing much of a pass rush. And, and understanding, again, kind of what it would probably be like for someone who, who really cares so passionately about this team. and So grateful that you're listening to this podcast because you clearly do if you are. I kind of understood it a little bit. And sure, it's weird that maybe it took me a TV, a TV show to, to really get it. But that phrase stuck out with me. The hope that kills you. And I don't know what to tell you anymore. Because I, if you're watching the Lions right now, I don't, I don't know where you can pull that hope. Uh, maybe you pull it from the fact that your opponents over the next six games pending Atlanta playing on Monday night are 7-16 and 16 overall and are some real bad teams in there like Atlanta, like Jacksonville, like Houston, like Minnesota. The only team above 500 at the moment in that next six-game stretch between now and Thanksgiving is Indianapolis. 
So maybe that's where you go for hope. Maybe you go to the fact that the run game actually looks largely okay. Didn't look great today, but the Lions ended up in a very similar situation to to what they were in in Green Bay, where you have to kind of change the running style a little bit, and and maybe you, you, you go there. You look at what DeAndre Swift did today. I thought DeAndre Swift actually played fairly well. I thought he ran with good speed and good vision. You saw a bit more of his devastating ability as a route runner on the, on the t- first touchdown, where, I mean, he just completely no one had any shot on that Texas route, on the angle route. Maybe, maybe you look there if you're a Lions fan. Maybe you look to the punter, Jack Fox, who I, I don't necessarily believe in punters being the MVP, but comparative to the rest of his position in the NFL, I don't know how you can argue that he hasn't been maybe your best player, which is saying something. Maybe uh, you start there that they found something in, in a punter, and you know, maybe you can lock that up for the next decade. And so that's the one thing you don't have to worry about. So I, I don't know the answer for you, but I get it a little bit more now after watching that. And it's, again, like I said, strange that a TV show would would finally have it click for me what that is and being able to, to understand and see it through the eyes of those characters that it is, the hope that kills you. And the reason I go back to that again, and I've said it a few times, is when I remember talking to some of my friends, some of... Y'all who listen to this podcast, some of the people that I interact with on Twitter, it has always come back to two things. One is, if they ever get good, I want to be there. I want to, I've put in so much time. And I, I can understand that. And the other one is hope. And, you know, there's a saying, hope is not a strategy. Jim Caldwell liked saying that. But... You know, that that's what I think some of fandom is, is, is hope. Hope that next year will be better. It's why Cubs fans would go back year after year. It's why Red Sox fans would go back year after year. It's why Mets fans and Jets fans, the two teams that I grew up watching, uh, ended up often going back year after year. It's it's that hope. It's, it's part of what sports is. But it's the hope that kills you. So there's just some thoughts I had watching this game and uh, kind of in the aftermath of it, hearing some of what Matt Patricia had to say, hearing what some of the players had to say, asking some of the players why they still believe in Matt Patricia, asking about Patricia why he believes he's the person that can turn this around. That that prevailing thought just stuck in my head. So, like I said, just a couple of thoughts I had. Uh, we'll be back right after this break with more of a breakdown of the Lions' 35-29 loss. Two, the New Orleans Saints dropping the one and three on the year, entering the bye. Here on the Michael Rothstein Show. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. And listen, as it gets colder out, I know you don't necessarily want to go out as much. Neither do I. So DoorDash is a great option to still get great food brought to you and then you don't have to cook, which is something I don't really do at least all that well. 
Ordering, listen, it's easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Nothing to me screams good food, good fast food at least, like the Chipotle Burrito Bowl, one of my favorites. It's And so many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, your food, it'll be on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, code is BLUEWIRE. $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And are you looking for somewhere to go? Go check out Regents Field on South Main Street in Ann Arbor. They are open again. They're showing all the games, all NFL, all college football. Big Ten football is coming back. They're going to be showing all those games. They've got free skee-ball, free darts, and they've got some free NBA jam. They're going to have drink specials as well. So go check them out. Regents Field on South Main Street in Ann Arbor. Now... Back to the show. So welcome back. And as I said, we would break down more of the game coming out of the break after we talked a little bit maybe more philosophical at the top. And let's just start right at the beginning where the Lions maybe got off to one of their better starts that I think I've seen under Matt Patricia in the first five minutes of the game. They intercept a tip ball on Drew Brees' first pass of the day. That leads to their second score. That's after they drove right down the field. And DeAndre Swift looked pretty good. Adrian Peterson looked good. Matthew Stafford looked good. Danny Amendola had a 50-yard reception, which is the longest play I think he's maybe had as a Lion. So everything was moving. And the Saints had six starters missing, including Pro Bowl receiver Michael Thomas, both starting cornerbacks and Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins. Andres Pete on the offensive line was missing. And it looked like, wow, the Lions could really be building on something as we were talking about before the break. And even if it's just a little bit of a mirage, they are clearly fired up and they're going to maybe take advantage of a Saints team that's pretty beat up. And then the Saints got the ball. And then the Saints had a sustained drive. And you very quickly realized that the Detroit Lions were not going to be able to stop Alvin Kamara or Latavius Murray all day long. And that's exactly what happened. Because once they started moving, once they started to find a groove, once they started being able to just kind of eat up time, eat up possession, that was where you ran into trouble. The Lions were up. 14-0 when the Saints got the ball in the second possession with 10-23 left in the first quarter. The next five possessions for the Saints. Just going to read them off to you. Seven minutes and 15 seconds, touchdown. Five minutes and 42 seconds, touchdown. Five minutes and 26 seconds, touchdown. 59 seconds, touchdown. Six minutes and eight seconds, touchdown. All of a sudden, the Lions are down 35-14. New Orleans has completely controlled the game. The Lions, by the way, in that time frame, in that time period, because 
the Saints got the ball to start the second half. So when they scored that last touchdown with 8.52 left, they were down, the Lions were down 35-14. The Lions' possessions in there after that second possession when they scored a touchdown. Two minutes, 16 seconds that ended in a punt. One minute, 41 seconds that ended in a Matthew Stafford interception in the end zone that was just a really poorly thrown ball to TJ Hawkinson. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, by the way, that was open. One minute, 20 seconds, ends in a punt. 44 seconds that ended in a punt that ended the half. There's your game right there. You, you, you lost it right in that stretch because you couldn't stop the Saints and you couldn't continue anything on offense. Now, sure, if the Lions score that touchdown and they don't throw that interception, does that change things? Absolutely. But how often this season have we seen the Lions make critical mistakes at critical times that could have changed the game? Well, I think we've seen it in every loss they've had. Whether it was ill-timed, poor decisions against the Bears from Jamie Collins in the first half to some of the conservative play calling in the second, to bad penalties and bad play calling against the Packers in week two, to what you saw this week. It's been a common theme. I mean, it was a common theme last year too. But let's just focus on this year. Matt Patricia wants to focus on this year. Let's focus on this year. It's been a theme in all three weeks. Same things. May be happening at different points in the game, but same things. Second quarters have been brutal. For the Lions, that's when Jamie Collins got ejected. That's when everything swung against Green Bay. And frankly, that's when everything swung against the Saints as well. Second quarters have not been kind to Detroit at all this year. And it just hasn't worked. And it all started there. Drew Brees didn't really have to throw the ball deep. He just didn't. But he was Drew Brees, which was incredibly accurate. 19 of 25, 246 yards, couple touchdowns. He did throw the interception on a tip ball. 116.4 passer rating. Pretty much exactly what you would expect for Drew Brees, especially when he's down Jared Cook and Michael Thomas. Arguably two of his three top receiving options. And here's the thing, too. They didn't even go heavy to Alvin Kamara in the passing game. Alvin Kamara had four targets, three catches for 36 yards, but he had 19 carries for 83 yards because they couldn't stop him on the ground, averaging 4.4 yards a carry. Latavius Murray, 14 carries, 64 yards, 4.6 yards a carry, two touchdowns, couldn't stop him on the ground. Just couldn't do it. And the Lions running backs, which we talked about a little bit before, Adrian Peterson just couldn't get going. Was also put in some really bad situations in the second half. 11 carries, 36 yards, 3.3 yards per carry. DeAndre Swift, again, we talked about. I thought maybe he had some of the, one of the better days of any Lions player. Four carries, 22 yards. He also had four catches for 30 yards and a touchdown. That was actually a productive day when you looked at the Lions offense. Matthew Stafford's stat line might look good if you didn't watch the game. 17-31, 206. Three touchdowns and a pick. It wasn't that good. Why do I say that? Because the interception was a drive killer, was a momentum killer. And by the way, there were a couple of other plays on that drive that could have easily been intercepted, including a a ball he threw that Jesse James somehow, I have no idea how Jesse James caught this ball on the sideline and stayed in bounds, but he did. It was a 31-yard catch. It might be the... Most impressive play 
I've seen Jesse James make as a lion. It's the second straight week he was at least somewhat involved in the offense after a year plus of not being involved at all. And he bailed out Matthew Stafford. And then after that, Matthew Stafford made a couple of other throws that were not great. And then he throws the interception. In the second half, it just looked over and over again like Matthew Stafford was missing receivers. And he said that. He admitted as much that it just... There were times he was missing guys. There were throws he wanted back. He says that every week. Let's just be honest there, too. That's a that's a common thing that he could say, even if he only missed on four throws. Matthew Stafford's a perfectionist like that. He will say that over and over again. But on Sunday, he missed way more throws than I'm used to seeing him miss. And it was kind of really jarring a bit to the point where you sat there and you wondered what was wrong. Two of four games so far, Matthew Stafford has completed less than 60% of his passes, which looks nothing like the MVP-level form that he had a season ago. And I'm going to read you a Matthew Stafford quote when he was talking about the deep passes. This is something that I had asked him. He said, nope. Quote, nope, just missed them. I want a couple of those back. Obviously, I had some long PIs, pass interferences, that helped us out too. They were in some bad positions on defense and made some decisions to not let us catch it and get some big plays through penalties as well. Definitely a couple I want back. End quote. He was asked about his visible frustration while he was on the sidelines today. Quote, every time we get it, I want to go score. We weren't able to do that as many times as we needed to today. It's an emotional game, a passionate game. I'm trying to make sure I'm out there doing my best every single time. And there's times, probably if you see frustration, it's probably for myself. Just wish I could have been better today to help us win. On the interception, I wish I could have thrown it a couple yards further. TJ did a nice job of scrambling, and I just underthrew it. So he took blame on that, and probably was actually his fault on the blame. When I watched it live, I did wonder whether Hawkinson kind of broke off the route a little bit differently, a little bit too soon. But if Stafford's going to take the blame on it, I mean, then that's fine. That's where that will go. So that was what was going on on offense. Kenny Galladay, eight targets, four catches for 62 and a touchdown. Uh, Marvin Jones was essentially invisible again, one catch for nine yards, but only had two targets. He's He's been not targeted nearly as much by Stafford so far this season, even before Galladay came back. So just nothing was really going on. Well, Stafford was sacked three times. And he was also hit a little bit as well, even on plays where he wasn't sacked. The Saints ended up having seven quarterback hits, which showed some not great offensive line play. Plus, again, the blocking wasn't great up front for the run game. So offensive line didn't have their best day. Nothing really seemed to go right after the first five minutes of the game. The Lions on defense, we'll move over there now. I thought there were a couple of promising things. I thought this was Romeo Aquara's best game of the season. I thought he was very, very active. He completely blew up tight end Josh Hill for his sack. And that's his second sack of the season, I believe. He had three quarterback hits. It looked like he was really doing a good job getting on that edge and being able to really get to the passer. I think it's the most active I've seen a defensive lineman of B this year consistently throughout a game, and I, I thought that that was promising from Romeo Aquara. Again, he looks a little bit more like the 2018 version 
of Romeo Aquara than the 2019 version of Romeo Aquara, which I think is a good sign for Detroit. Uh, especially if they can get Trey Flowers going again. He, Trey Flowers had two tackles for loss. He had a quarterback hit. They have four quarterback hits from their four of their five quarterback hits were from their defensive line today. So that if you're looking for a sign of progress, that is potentially a sign of progress, especially against a guy like Drew Brees, who can get the ball out fast, knows where his receivers are going to be, and can definitely make things happen. Danny Shelton was all right. He had seven tackles, but it's hard to say anyone was okay when it when you look at what the run game was for New Orleans. And when you look at the pass game, it, it was a little bit all over the place. The three passes defended. One of those was by Shelton, which led to the Daryl Roberts interception. One was by Roberts, and one was Amani Warrior. And yeah, I mean, I, I just I look at this and I'm like, well, defensively, I don't think they played well at all. I, I just don't really think that it was there. They struggled to cover a lot of guys, and they basically let Drew Brees with guys who he's not used to. I wouldn't say he's not used to playing with them because he's been around so long. He is used to playing with them. But without probably two of his his two top targets or two of his maybe three top targets, he just was able to shred the Lions defense. And that's that's a big, big problem. And, and the thing is, too, is that beyond all of that, right, they lost more guys throughout the game. Ryan Ramshack, their right tackle, got hurt. Teron Armstead got hurt but came back. But the Ramshack injury cost him. He ended up not playing the rest of the game. They lost their punt returner, Harris, for a bit. So there were injuries. And don't forget, this is all on top of the fact that a day ago, by the time you're listening to this, we didn't know if Sunday morning this game was definitely being played because the Saints had a false positive COVID scare with former Lions fullback Michael Burton and you know they we didn't know especially what had happened with the Patriots earlier in the day with Cam Newton and you know his his COVID-19 positive test and what that meant and they postponed that game for a day so there was a possibility they weren't even going to play on Sunday and the Saints some of the Saints players were up late being tested so their whole routine was was messed up so that was another reason, besides all the injured starters, that you thought, well, maybe this is this is a spot where the Lions could win. This is something that could be really advantageous for them. And it looked like it for the first five minutes. And then, as we've talked about, it all just kind of fell apart for Detroit from there. So I want to read a couple of Matt Patricia quotes. And then I'm not really sure I have much else to say about this game. And we'll get into more stuff. Uh, as the ender of the bye later this week. But here is what Matt Patricia said when I asked him essentially why people should believe in him because they've lost 14 of their last 16 games. Why should he, they believe that he is the coach that can turn them around? And I quote, I mean, that's a hard question. Obviously, we just lost to the Saints. Let's just give them credit for this game. They played extremely well, and I know we've got a lot of work to do. Certainly, I think when I came to Detroit, there was a lot of work to do, and that's what we're trying to do. But talking about this year right now, we're talking about right now in these first four games, and obviously today wasn't good enough. I think after four games, our team can really take a lot at itself and say, okay, hey, how do we need to play the games? 
what have we got to do? We've got some work to do during this bye week here, I think, which will be good for us to really take a look at how we need to play going forward. And I think that's probably the most important thing from that standpoint is what we do going forward and how do we win, end quote. To which I responded, well, if you want to look at this season, three of your four losses have all come very similarly. Double-digit leads that led to losses, to which Matt Patricia said, and I quote, yeah, I don't really think it's the same thing over, though. I mean, if you want to break it down, Chicago obviously was the end of the game where we didn't do a good enough job. I think Green Bay obviously was a halftime swing and we never really recovered. And this game, I thought that we obviously jumped out early, but it was so early in the game in the first quarter. I think that after that, we didn't play very well in the middle of the game. And I thought that we came back at the end of the game and battled to try and give ourselves a chance to win. And obviously, we didn't come through. So I think from that selling point, those are different. Last week's game is different. My ad, that was a win. Back to the quote. The thing for us, really, what we've got to do is obviously consistency. That's what we've got to do is we've got to be consistent, end quote. Next question, which came from Dave Burkett, if he had any concerns about his job security heading into this off week, start the quote. Yeah, comma, again, let's just talk about the Saints game. I'm trying to get us to play better than what we did today. I come to work every day trying to do the best I can to help this team win. We've got great guys in that locker room, and we've got to find a way to win, end quote. So that, to me, was the most relevant part of Matt Patricia's post-game press conference because right now all of the questions are about this team and his job security and his future and how he can still lead them because it's been the same things over and over and over again and I don't know the answers to those questions. I I was on the radio in Detroit on 97.1 earlier on Saturday before I recorded or Sunday rather before I recorded this podcast and they asked me about his job security and whether I thought they would that Sheila Ford Hamp would make a move this week. And I said, I didn't know. And I said that anyone who says they do know, and who knows, by the time this you listen to this podcast, maybe there has been a decision made one way or the other. Um, you, you can't know because Sheila Ford Hamp is in her first few months as an owner. And we don't know how she's going to react to this. We don't know how she's going to react to a one and three start. She was part of the decision-making group that decided to keep Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn Going into the 2020 season, I think it's still early in the season, and I look at their schedule, as we talked about at the top, that it lightens up a lot after the bye, and if I'm Matt Patricia and I'm Bob Quinn, if I'm meeting with Sheila Ford-Hamp I am and Rod Wood, I am pointing that out, that the schedule lightens up a lot. This was maybe the toughest stretch in their schedule, playing four potential well, three potential playoff teams, and we'll see what happens with the Bears. I don't think the Bears look particularly good today. But let's see what happens in that middle stretch of their schedule. And frankly, if you're Sheila Fordham, maybe you do that. And then if it's really still not going well after Thanksgiving, then it's made your decision easier. Potentially, if you think you have a decision to make. But don't forget, Sheila Fordham said in our one press conference so far in June that major improvement was the goal. I think at this point, you can say that you haven't seen, to this point, a quarter of the way through the season, major improvement. You can say that in record, a quarter of the way through the year last year, they were 2-0-1. A quarter of the way through the year this year, they are 1-3. And you can say it from what you've seen on the field, because I think, if anything, you can say you're seeing more of the same. I don't think you can say that you're seeing a team that is better 
than they were last year when they were doing things that were very similar to a year ago and your quarterback was playing a lot better than he was a year ago. So there's a lot to unpack with this team. We're going to get into that more and more throughout the week as we're going to use the bye week to break down the first quarter of the season to give out some first quarter of the season awards to kind of maybe try and figure out what might happen here going forward. And of course, we're going to have the mailbag and might have a guest, might not. That might depend whether we have shows through Friday or whether we only have shows through Thursday this week. And that is going to be kind of where we are. But the Lions lose another one, drop three or four in the first quarter of the season, losing the New Orleans Saints 35-29. want to thank my sponsors for this podcast, Bet Online, DoorDash, and Regents Field. I want to thank Blue Wire, as always, for hosting this podcast. I want to thank you, the listener, for taking the time. If you can, leave a five-star review if you'd be so kind over on Apple or just download and subscribe. That helps more than anything else. I know it's sometimes a tough listen, but uh, especially with how the team has been playing. But I appreciate you taking the time to spend a little bit of time with me in your day. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein. If you want to ask questions for the mailbag, you can do that as, there as well. Follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And with that, we will talk with you tomorrow. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.